Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast, presented by Diamondback Covers. Uh, my boys at Diamondback are in Pennsylvania at the Great American Sports Show in Harrisburg. It is the longest trade show in the outdoor space. I think that thing's like seven or nine days. I've never been, but I've heard horror stories from exhibitors and other shows that have to go and stand on their feet for seven days have no desire to do that only time i'm standing on my feet for seven days is if i'm chasing something that i'm getting to hunt or i'm at work chasing something hunting with a camera so it's been a really good week got a ton done um it's kind of depressing though looking at the calendar and trying to set up hunts and trying to set up projects and dates and turkey season is over a month away That's disheartening because turkey season is one of my favorite things. It's really close to elk season, or really close to elk hunting, I should say, except they don't weigh 600 pounds and have antlers and can smell. But they are are extremely fun to hunt. If you have never hunted turkeys, you absolutely have to do it, and they're fun to film. And I'm going to have a podcast coming up about a couple of things I've learned over the years on filming turkeys. Because there's a couple things that you can do in setting up to film turkeys that will make your life so much easier and the footage will be so much better because let's be honest turkeys are pretty stupid if you get one committed and he's coming in there's some things you can do setting up to make it epic but you have to have a cooperating hunter and I've never had a cooperating hunter aka Chuck I got a listener question the other day about music and how to find music and where I get music Okay, this is a this is a tough I wouldn't say a tough topic. It's a multifaceted educational process, and this has been something I'm st- not still learning, but I'm still improving on as far as music goes. Because music is it's not everything, but it's a lot to a good show and a good production. Music can really put the thing over the top. And it can make you sound really, really, really good and make you seem even more professional than you might be. Or people can listen to the music and absolutely know it's what they're watching is absolutely Bush League. Because music sets the tone, music changes the pace, music makes you feel a certain way. Music is a gigantic part of a good production. And when I was starting out, this was one of the hardest things I struggled with was finding good music understanding how to use music, understanding how licensing worked, what music could I use, what music couldn't I use, all that good stuff, which is actually something I forgot about talking about in my notes. Um, Let me put that in here while I'm thinking about it because I don't want to miss that, uh, that topic because that's coming up pretty quickly. I want to put it in the right place. Okay, so first things first, there's a ton of places to get music, and I'm going to go over those at the end of the podcast on the place some, some of the places that I use to get music. Um, but there are some things you need to know before you start looking for music or before you 
even really start your production, you know, because, you know, a lot, I know a lot of guys listening are just starting out or start trying to start a web show or trying to even get into this. So they don't really might not even have a clue of where I'm going, but so I'm going to try and break this down as fundamentally, fundamentally as I can. The music business is a money hungry, money making endeavor on all accounts. Music, they're going to get paid. There, that's bottom line, and good music is expensive. And I'm going to go over that again in a minute. Mu- the music business has gotten licensing and permissions and royalties wrapped up. Those guys are making money hand over fist. the The libraries, the musicians, the writers, you know. And I probably will have somebody email in or call and say, "Well, I'm a you know musician or whatever, and I'm not making money." The ones that are putting out stuff that people are downloading and people really want, they're making money. We're 100% sure because I've seen the invoices. I've paid the invoices on music libraries. They're doing just fine. So the part that I forgot that I'm adding in right here is, you know, you're going through and you're going to start an edit. What can I use and what can I not use? You know, well, if it is a song that is on iTunes... You can bet your bottom dollar you cannot use that song. The only gray area to where you may could use that song, and this is, like I said, I'm putting emphasis on gray area, is if you're using that for a reel or a, you know, something that you're putting in a trade show booth or something that you're keeping internally that nobody will ever see and it will never be posted. Because the writers of that song, the artists of that song, the... the what's it called the label record label on that song everybody's making money every time that thing gets played whether that's streamed whether that's downloaded whether that's it doesn't matter so if you want to put you know um country boy can survive on your on your video and put it out there for the world guarantee you it, that sucker's either a going to get taken down or you're getting a call from somebody wanting some money for that and trust me you can't afford to license that song if it is a song that is on iTunes I just suggest don't use it. Now, here's the other thing. Say you have a local brand, local band or a local buddy or somebody that's a musician and they say, hey, yeah, you can use my music. Get that in writing. But the problem with that is if they have a record label, if they have a manager, if they have writers that were on the songs, those people did not sign off on that. The only way that you're going to have written permit, the only way you're going to have unlimited use of that song is if the person that gave you permission is the writer, the owner, and the uh, artist that um, recorded that song. That's the only way. Because, like I said, when a song gets downloaded, the artist makes money, the writers make money, the record label makes money, um, iTunes makes everybody's making money on that song. And the only way that you get permission to use that song on something like that is you're either going to have to pay a crap ton of money or you're going to have to get a lot of permissions, and good luck with that. Because... There's going to be somebody in that chain that's like, no, I'm getting paid for the use of that song. You may get away with it. You're more than welcome to try it. But if that thing goes on YouTube, promise you it's getting taken down. So, next point. Good music is expensive. And when I say good music, I'm not talking about buying stuff off iTunes. I'm talking about licensing libraries and finding um, music that you can license and use for your production. So, music is expensive. Really good music is really expensive. So, how is music licensing structured? 
the way that there the way that there are I'm trying to formulate how to say this. So there's a lot of libraries out there, and I'm like I said, I'm going to go over those in a minute. But there's some of them are structured different than others. The main big ones, the ones that I use the most, is you license an entire or a portion of a library. So for instance, you find a library that you really like that you you know you can go through and you can go to their website and you can listen to the songs, but you can't download them. Sometimes you can download them, but they'll have like a uh, premiumbeat.com will be said, you know, during the middle of the song. So you can't, you can't get that out unless you buy the song. So, you know, you'll have the music going along and then right in the middle of the song, you know, every 10 or 15 seconds, it'll say premiumbeat.com, premiumbeat.com. So the only way you get that premiumbeat.com out is to pay for the song. And the reason they do that, and premium beats, one of the ones that does it, that's why I'm using it as an example is you can download that preview to that song. You can put it in your edit, see how it flows, see how you like it, show it to your client, and if they love it, then you can go and buy that song. Premium Beats one of those that you can license a portion of their library, the whole library, or you can pay per song. I license, most of the time, I license an entire library or a portion of the library. So when you license the library, there are different tiers. So you go to a tier, so they, they essentially use these tiers to gauge how much to charge you. So they use things like, is this going to be for internal use only? Is this going to be for external use? AKA the web, TV, streaming, etc. Is this for a nonprofit organization? How many people are in your company? How big is the project you're working on? What's the budget? They ask a lot of questions to gauge, okay, how much can I get out of this? You know, if you go to them, you're like, hey, I'm a web show, I'm a, you know, I'm going to have this many episodes, they're going to air on YouTube, blah, 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 blah. They're going to say, okay, well, they, you know, put in their little numbers or algorithm or they spit out a number and they say, hey, it's going to cost you this much an episode. And you're like, oh, that's a little too much for me. Or you go the paper song route, which is you go to the premiumbeat.coms. Uh, I don't really know. I don't mess with the paper song ones very much, but you find a song that you really like you buy that one song. Generally, those songs are like $25, $30 to there are some premium sites that are $300 plus. So, and that's for one song, not for multiple songs. But with buying, with purchasing the license to that song, sometimes there's limitations on that license, whether where it can be used, how often it can be used, how long it can be used, so you have to really pay attention to those fine, you know, notes and details to where you don't buy a song on a limited use basis and you put it out there on a web show that's running 24 hours a day out there and, you know, on a carbon TV. And then you get a call three years down the road and says, hey, that was a limited use. You know, you were only supposed to have that permission for that song for six months or you were only supposed to be able to license 60 seconds of that song instead of the whole song or whatever the case may be. You have to make sure you go over those details beforehand. So you've structured, you've figured out what structure you want to do. You know, or, or And the structure changes per project. Sometimes on a project, you just need one or two songs. So it's, it's better to go buy 60 or 80 or $200 worth of songs versus licensing, licensing a whole library. If you're doing an entire show or an entire web show, sometimes it's better to license an entire library. Sometimes it's good to do both. You know, sometimes there's some songs or a feel for something that you can't find in the library that you're using and you need to go find a particular song. Go find a particular song, 
download it, pay the licensing fee, make sure you've got all your T's crossed and your I's dotted, and go from there. There is another option that is what I call the audio blocks or art list option. So there's two libraries out there called uh, audio blocks and the other one's called, called art list, which art list is a new one that I just got on. So I'm on both of those just because they lend themselves to certain things. But I've, I've been in the music deal for a long time and kind of know how to work in between them and know which ones to use for certain things. But so the way the audio blocks and art list work is for a flat fee, I think audio blocks is like a hundred to two hundred dollars and art list is two hundred dollars. For that much money, you get unlimited use of that library and unlimited downloads for a year. So you download all the songs that you want off of that and you own the rights and the license, not the rights, you own the license to that song for the life of the song. So in a year's time, you can use that library to create as much you know stuff as you can and then you download those songs, well, you own the license to those. They're constantly adding music and adding songs and sound effects to those libraries. But what I found is in those two cheaper options, Audio Blocks isn't great. It's got some decent stuff. I mean, if you're looking for a really low budget way of getting some decent music, Audio Blocks would be a good one. Art List, on the other hand, is about the same price. Art List has much higher quality music. But the problem with that is most of the music sounds the same. It still has the same feel, the same, I guess, you know, edginess to it. Or, you know, there's there's really not a whole huge diversity in the sound. It's very modern sounding. There's not, if you're looking for a, you know, a twangier country sound, you're not going to find it there. If you're looking for a really epic over-the-top sound, you're not going to find it there. It's all very indie, you know, very modern um, film ish I guess you could say in some of the things some I mean uh, there's going to you know when you look at a library there's going to be 60% of it 70% of it you're going to hate you know like I'm no, no I don't know who would ever use that but then there's going to be one or two that you can cherry pick out so I feel like in my purchase of audio blocks and art list that I don't know art list I don't know if I've got my money's worth audio blocks I really don't feel like I've got my money's worth because I don't feel like the music's good enough for what I'm trying to do so but they were cheap enough to where it was worth the risk. The last option is the YouTube option. So say you are going to create a web show that's going to live primarily on, not primarily, completely on YouTube. YouTube has a music library because YouTube is also the biggest Nazi in the world when it comes to music. They scan everything that ever gets posted on YouTube. And if you do not have the rights, or if you even do have the rights, they will flag it and make you go through an entire process to make sure the right people are getting paid. That's why I hate, hate, hate YouTube. And that's why when I post something on YouTube, generally it's not going to have music with it, just because they're a pain in the butt. So the YouTube option is if you're going to create a web show and you don't have licensed music or you don't have or you don't want to go through the hassle of messing with it, YouTube has a library that they own that you can I, anybody can go download whatever you want to off of it you know, the full version, and use it to your heart's content on YouTube. My understanding is you can't use it anywhere else but YouTube, but you can use it as much as you want. They have lots of songs. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them suck pretty bad. But if you really dive through there, you can find some good stuff. They also have some really good sound effects, which I was happy about that. It's not a huge library of sound effects, but they do have some really high-quality 
ambience, you know, wind noises, you know, water, you know, traffic, all that kind of stuff that if you need to pull those type things, YouTube does have that option. Okay, and a question I get a lot is, is there a free option? Can I get some free music for my production? Ugh. Yes. That's called royalty-free music. But royalty-free music, as a rule of thumb, is awful. It's free for a reason, because it's not very good. Now, if you are out there and you have a royalty-free library that's got some good stuff in it, please let me know, because I've used and searched high and low for some really good free royalty-free music. It doesn't exist. And usually when it says royalty-free, there is a catch. It's royalty-free if you use it internally, or it's royalty-free if you're a non-profit. If you are using it for profit or for a business or for a web show or for a TV show, you're going to have to pay for it. Royalty-free is usually a way that they get you in to start downloading music. You throw it up there, and then they retroactively try and get you to pay for it. So read the fine print before you start downloading royalty-free music because they will that will bite you in a hurry, I promise. This is a facet of the business, and the facet I'm talking about is music, that you're going to have to pay for. And it sucks, especially with, you know, guys starting out, and most guys listening to this probably have no budget. Probably their budget is what they have in their personal bank account. They don't have a TV show or a film project that has a budget for good music. And if that's the case, sometimes you're stuck with royalty-free. Sometimes you're stuck with staying on YouTube. Sometimes you're stuck with an audio blocks. We've all been there, trust me. But just know... To step up the game, good production costs money, and music is part of that. So the general cost when you're looking for libraries, you know, the library get game has also changed. A couple years ago, five years ago, when we would, you know, start looking for libraries for different shows, when I was at Sub 7, you know, we did seven or eight TV shows at the same time, so we had to, you know, we had to license a lot of music. Well... At that time, you know, there wasn't as many options as there are now. But the great thing about that was you could call up or, you know, get online and contact three or four of the different libraries that you, you know, were solid, that you knew you could get the music to, you know, um, service the show that you were doing. And you could kind of pit them against each other. And because at that time, they were used car salesmen. You could say, hey, well, you know, so-and-so said they'd give it to me for this much a show. So, and you're saying this much? Well, they're cheaper, so I'm going to have to go with them. And usually they'd be like, oh, no, 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 let's work something out, you know. Well, if they'll do it for this, we can do it for that, too. Usually they were they were pretty open to negotiations. And uh, because, you know, at that time, usually the productions had most of the power. And it's kind of, that model's kind of flipped here in the last couple of years to where, they quote you a price, generally that's going to be the price because they know that good music costs money. They know their, you know, their sell-through. You know, they know how many people they're selling to, how many people are contacting them for good music, and they generally don't back off on those prices. So for a good library, you're looking, this is in terms of like a television show. Say you're producing a 13-episode television show and you want to license the library for that show. Generally speaking, you're going to pay $300 to $500 per episode. So you're looking at around, you know, three to five ish, six ish thousand dollars 
just for music. And that sounds high, but on a good production, like one I finished last year, I really feel like the music is what set that show, changed, it changed the look, it changed the feel, it was worth the extra money. So there are cheaper options, but those that's what you're going to pay for a really good service right now. Um, and like I said earlier, generally cost per song, if you're looking at a run-of-the-mill library, like a premium beat, is going to be $25 to $30, and then you get up to some of the really big, expensive, like music bed type sites, you know, you're going to pay up to $300 per song. And that's also with those different tiers of licensing rules and all that fine print I was telling you about. So you got to make sure you read through all that. A couple of libraries that I have used and am still currently using are... These are the good ones. These are the high-end ones. These are the ones that, you know, have a large library that have a lot of options. Most of the time they have sound effects. Um, these are the ones that if you're looking to really, you know, get a lot out, these are the ones to do. But with that being said, I've also watched a lot of hunting tel television and heard a lot of songs that I've edited to before. So it's one of those things to where it, there's... Unless your show is completely different in the feel and the look and the everything, the music's you're you're gonna have some overlap. But anyway, some of the ones that I've used are Extreme Music, Stephen Arnold, APM Music, Firstcom, uh, Firstcom Music, which is one of my favorites, and Sonic Librarian, which I used several years ago. Um, I have done stuff with Premium Beat, like I said, Audio Blocks, Art List. I've done some of the I've pulled some stuff from the YouTube deal with a couple of videos. Um, I've gotten with local bands before I've done, I've done it all. I would, I would suggest spending the money for a good library. It's just one of those things that you're not going to get around. You're not going to be able to skimp on. Just go ahead and figure that into the cost of doing business. The next kind of thing I wanted to talk about is say you, you license a library and you're going to start working on the edits for that particular show or web show or whatever it is. There's a couple of things that you need to know when you start searching for music and searching for music within a library sometimes can be an art form in and of itself. And, um, the way I edit is I like to have a song picked out for what I'm about to try and do. So I'll go and I'll find a song that kind of fits the feel and look and, uh, the tone and the tempo of what I'm about to try and pull off. So I will always start, I might rough and pull in a couple of clips, you know, that are generally what I'm wanting to do, but I won't really start editing, you know, a finished look or a finished feel until I have a song to go with it. And the song, like I said, can, can be a huge make or break. You know, it can be your pace changer, your emotional changer, your eye opener, your, you know, you know, I want you to pay attention. I want you to be sad. I want you to be happy. The music can do all those things. So You've got to really think about that when you're editing. It's not something that you just throw in there because it sounds good, which I've talked about that before. If you're just putting pretty shots to good music, then you're not actually telling a story. You're just you're just doing a music video. But anyway, I digress. I, I go through and I find a song. So the way that I find a song is through the search functions on um, my particular library. So for instance, like on Firstcom. Firstcom has a lot of different options for finding music. So, and a lot of times they'll have... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, they'll have some of their in-house people go through and create libraries that have a certain feel or a certain name. And a lot of time I'll go through those libraries and I will, you know, pick out certain songs. And a lot of times I'll find a library that 
you know, it'll have 15 songs in it, and I'll find five of them I really like. Sometimes I'll go through a library, and I don't like any of them. Sometimes I'll go through a library, and I'll like two of them. Um, you know, and it's one of those things to where I know what I'm looking for, I know the feel that I want, and I'll use those libraries to kind of narrow my search for me. But if I can't find what I'm wanting to in a library, there's a lot of parameters that you can insert into these libraries to narrow down your search. There's, you know, there's parameters for tempo, for genre, for instrument, for the feel, the mood, the length. You know, a lot of times I'll search for things if I want a song that sounds like like Justin Timberlake or something. If I, I want a poppy type song, I'll type in an artist's name. You know, something like that. And a lot of times there'll be rip-offs or kind of sound-alike type things out there, you know, that you can go in and you can say, you know, a certain artist's name, and there'll be something that in the description of the metadata of that song, they put that in there because that was the inspiration for that song. And you can sometimes, very rarely, find some really good stuff just by using a certain artist's name. I've done that a couple of times. Most of the things I do is I'll use a, I'll narrow my search by the search bar, and I'll go in and I say I'm going to edit like an epic trailer. Like it's really, you know, it's a really high impact. I want some big beats. I want it to build up and to kind of have a, calm, you know, a, a big high point and then either, you know, drop or off or stop or something. So what I do is I go to that search fun function and I type in epic comma building. So I want the song to build and I want it to have an epic feel. And then I'll, you know, I'll hit my search thing and it'll pop up a bunch of options. And then what I'll go through, I'll go on the left-hand side and it'll give me some other options to narrow that search even more. So I want like a medium tempo or I want a fast tempo or I want a, a long song or I want an instrumental or I want one with vocals. So I'll go through and I'll narrow it even more with that. And then, you know, that'll narrow my search from probably a couple hundred to, you know, maybe 50. And then I'll narrow that down to, you know, 20. And then I'll just start listening through. And the ones I like, boom, I download them. Download, download, download. So I'll uh, download as many as I can. I'll generally download 15 or 20 songs in one sitting of going through and looking for a song that I want. And I'll kind of pick through those for whatever the particular thing that I'm working on is. Um, but another thing was you got to remember when you're going through and you're looking for songs is a lot of times songs have different versions of the same song. Sometimes they'll have an instrumental version. Sometimes they'll have a vocal version. Sometimes they'll have a solo, you know, vocal only version with no music in the background. They'll have 30 second versions of that song, 60 second versions of that song, and underscores of that song. So it'll have a slightly different feel or, you know, key or something. There'll be something slightly different about it. Sometimes it's a little harder, sometimes it's a little softer, whatever. But just remember that when you're looking for songs is say I'm looking for a 30 second commercial song and you don't, you know, you're not very good at being able to cut down a full-length song into 30 seconds that, you know, sounds right. Well, sometimes a lot of songs that you say you like a song, well, it's probably got a 30-second version to it if you look hard enough. So, uh, and most of the time, pretty much all the time, that 30-second version can be found underneath that main song. Usually there's like a drop-down menu or a drop-down button that you can go and you can say, oh, hey, there's the instrumental or there's the 30-second version and you can download that. So usually when I find a song I really like, I'll try and download all the versions of that song. That way I can... You know, if I have the, and sometimes I'll use two versions of the same song for one thing. Like I'll use that solo where it's just the you know, the voices with no music, and I'll use that to kind of set the tone of, you know, you know, monotone and you know, low and droning feeling. And then I'll get into the music part of it once I start having the beats and the music and everything. And I can, that way I can use that to speed the 
the process of editing up or I can speed the show up. There's so many ways to use music. There are so many different things that you can do to edit to music. And like I've talked about before, editing to music is important for the viewer, for the subconscious, for a lot of other things. So just remember that when you're going and finding music. The last thing I kind of want to talk about is how to save music. And when you're saving music, you need to save it in a place. You need to save it in two places in case your computer fries. But um, save it in a way to where you can always go back and find it and reference it later. I like to save them by library. So I'll create a folder like for first comp. Create a folder called music. And then inside that folder, there will be a first comp. There will be an extreme music. There will be you know all my different libraries. And I will save the songs inside. You know, I'll download them from FirstCom. I'll save them in that FirstCom folder. And then I'll try and break them down even one more time from that to where I'll kind of break them up by tempo. Like I'll have a medium high tempo and then a slower tempo. And I'll kind of try and break them up to that, you know, to that degree to where I know if I want a faster song to go this route, if I want a slower song to go to this route. Once my libraries get to where they're very, very full, I will essentially take those songs that are, and I sort them by, date modified so I can see like I did, I pulled these songs in like a year and a half ago or two years ago and I'll put those in a folder that's like you know these are my older songs and then that way I can separate all the newer stuff that's out and those libraries are constantly adding new music and that's something you have to stay on top of to make sure you can see when the new music comes out you can listen to the new stuff the new libraries a lot of times they'll have a new library every month and it'll be like the highlights from that month and those are some really good places to find some good music because a lot of times stuff that you would have never searched for or don't even know how to search for or what words to use to describe what you're trying to accomplish. So that's a really good way to find good music is to stay up on those monthly um, libraries that they create, that the libraries create themselves. Um, I really, really hope that helped on the music side because I know, I know when I was starting out how how big a pain in the butt music was to try and find and to try and license and trying to understand. And, and I still don't understand it fully, but I've knock on wood, I've gotten through a long time without having really any music issues, um, which they can create some issues. They can, you know, you can work on a really big project and put it up for people to see and then it get flagged and you have to take it down and go through a whole process of getting it put back up or pay more money or whatever. So just make sure you, take care of that on the front end instead of having to deal with it on the back end um just to remind everybody on the website i have created a gear page where i have links to uh most of the stuff that i'm currently using or have used before in the past so um when i get asked like what cameras am i using what lights what microphones drones batteries accessories that kind of stuff I've got a gear page on there with the links to all that stuff straight to Amazon. You just click on that link. It'll take you right to the page that you can buy it from if you wanted to. Um, I am still working on the camera school. I've got it narrowed down. It's looking like the weekend of March the 23rd. I'm fairly certain that's the weekend I'm going to do it. I've got um, several guys that are committed to being there on those days. So... Other than that being the opening weekend of turkey season here in Georgia, which I did not think about before I said those days, but it uh, won't be the first uh, opening day I've missed, which is what I told the guys. Um, unless we can find a better day or a, a better option, that's probably what it's going to be. It's going to be held outside of Nashville. We are, I'm pretty pretty sure we have a really cool facility that can hold probably you know eight to ten of us, which is really what I'd like to kind of the number I'd like to keep it to, just because. 
if it gets to be too many people, it's hard to answer all the questions or to kind of be hands-on with everybody. So that's the deal with that. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, ask this, please go rate the podcast and write a review if you really like it, because that helps me get the message out to more people. And uh, I guess there's some sort of algorithm that um, iTunes has for podcasts when they get more ratings and more reviews that pushes this information out there to more people. And that's the whole reason I do this is to get the information out there. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy helping. I enjoy all those things. So, uh, you know, kind of if nobody's hearing this, it's for not, which my numbers are, you know, some amazingly last week and the week before were really good. So I guess I'm doing something right. At least I hope I am. I'm faking it till I make it anyway. So um, if you got any questions, email me, rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com. Instagram is at rednecktechpodcast. And I will see you fellers next time. Oh, shit.